0: Morning. Good morning. Morning. Hello, friends. I just need one more thing. I'll be with you in like five seconds. Okay. Um, look at your neighbor and tell them you look so good today, even if it's not true. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Good morning, friends. If you if you and I haven't had the pleasure of meeting. My name is Sia, and I'm one of the pastors here at Olive Tree Church. And I'm going to be continuing on our series called Unwrapping Christmas. Everything has its purpose, just give me a moment. Um, It's called Unwrapping Christmas. And uh, I I often think about how we don't, uh, when I say we, I mean us as the church, um, don't really take the time to appreciate the creative team's work because the series title that they come up with, Unwrapping Christmas or whatever else, is quite clever because um, our goal with this series was that we would unwrap all the stuff that surrounds Christmas now and get to the true heart of what it actually means uh, for you and I as believers and followers of Jesus. So when we unwrap Christmas, because you unwrap a gift on Christmas Day, um, it's quite genius, don't you think? No? Okay, well, I appreciate their work. <laughs> Creative team, you guys are fantastic. Um, but this, I, this idea is really centered around us seeing this season and this time of year for what it is. Because for most of us in the room, and maybe all of us in the room, it's kind of, it gets into a little bit of a rhythm of, cool, there's end-of-year fatigue, and then there's, there's hustle and bustle to get gifts and presents for family members and kids and all that kind of stuff, and then you get to Christmas morning, and by the time you get to Christmas morning, you've kind of just exhausted all the l- bit of energy that you had left from quite an exhaustive year, and like hoping that the, the euphoria experience on that morning is enough to... Um, make that day feel as Christ-centered and Christ-filled and as beautiful as possible. And then you start eating like nobody's business. And then at the start of January, it's like, I'm starting a training program. I'm going to be losing weight for the next 17 weeks. Um, And then at day two, it's like, this is where I am. Um, I've given up on this whole diet situation. But that's just the rhythm of most of us, if not all of us coming at, uh, to this time in the back end of each and every single year. And I wonder if we often get caught in that hustle and bustle, we're caught in that rhythm that we actually don't open our eyes to see what God might be doing in and around this time. Not even at the moments that you expect Him to do, do it, or not even at the uh, time and period where this is the moment that God is supposed to show up. But I wonder if you might actually experience God in the moments where you least expect Him to be. On a drive on your way to go buy the gifts, you might have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. If you just stop and pause for a moment just to smell the roses, just to look up into the sky, just to see the person next to you or just have a sense of what he might be saying to you in that specific moment. If we just take a moment to just try and experience God in each and every single moment because he is the presence that matters in this season. Him speaking to you is fantastic and it's beautiful, but that could be the energy, that could be the uh, reawakening that you might be looking for, that re-energizing that you might be looking for at this time of year because being around family feels good for all of us, that we actually feel rejuvenated and ready to meet the year um, 2024 because we've been around people and situations and moments that just fuel our soul. I wonder if we could just take a moment just to pause and see where God might be or what he might be doing that could give you the energy, strength, fulfillment, whatever you might be looking for this Christmas season, to meet the moments where you expect him to be. Can we do that? Um, I want to look at a story for us this morning, and it's really centered around this, this idea of not where you thought he'd be, not where you thought he'd be. And I'm going to read from us from the book of Matthew, and it, it highlights the Magi, otherwise known as the, uh, the, the three wise men. Uh, for, for the purposes of this message, they'll be called the wise men, because them being three isn't uh, conclusive. People have just deduced that because they had three gifts to present to Jesus, there must have been three wise men, but that isn't actually the, the case. There could have been more than three wise men, so... It's just the wise men for accuracy's sake. So Matthew chapter 2 highlights uh, Magi's visit to Jesus. So 2 verse 1 to 12 says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah during the time of King Herod, Magi from, uh, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. For out of you will come the ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that that, uh, they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented with him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having uh, been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And I just pray for us and we're going to jump right in and unpack that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can uh, just create this moment, have this subtle pause in uh, our weeks and in our lives, just to uh, dive into your scripture, to glean what you have to say to us and um, by the power of your spirit have it shift our perspective and uh, possibly change the way that we see this season, see this moment or uh, see you. I pray that you would speak to each and every single one of us uniquely, and uh, specifically to each of our circumstances, wherever we might find ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I want to share a little bit of a story with you, and it may or may not be a a humble brag. Um, You can glean from that what you will, but I, I think that my family was quite close at winning at Christmas. I don't know how you would win at Christmas, but I feel like we were almost there, like we almost won at Christmas. So at about high school age, um, my mom was like, because on Christmas Day, we would always go to my dad's parents' place and we would have the absolute best time. It was such an incredible day, That's just why like, I think that they won, uh, we won on Christmas because it wasn't necessarily about gifts because we don't do gifts like we're black. So you just go to, we just go to our grandparents' place. And you bring out your Christmas best, and that was that, like you get to, you get hit a little modding situation, and then you were just released to spend the whole day doing nothing else but eat. <laughs> what a joy for a child growing up. Um, but because we'd never get some time in our immediate family to spend together, my mom was like, cool, on Christmas Eve, that'll be our time to spend together. Now, I had a love-hate relationship with Christmas, or the season, or that time, of year because we finished school obviously my parents are both teachers so they weren't like working all the way up until Christmas Eve so when school was closed we were also free so mom was like oh my gosh free labor let's just all do spring cleaning this time of year which which was the I mean it was it was okay um, but my mom was an absolute machine like her mom was the cleanest person you will ever meet. So she's like, you got to start early so you can finish uh, early, like, you know, that principle. Um, so my mom would wake us up at 5 o'clock. Imagine you're on a holiday from school, and you have to wake up 5 in the morning, and then you spring clean. My mom was just like, this room, next room, next room. No breaks, no timeouts, no water. She would not stop. Like, hunger would have to sub- submit to her will. Um, and then eventually, we get to like two or three o'clock in the afternoon, and by that time, like you're knackered, you don't even care about eating, you eat whatever you eat and you sit in front of the TV, and you still have to do like dishes, chores, imagine doing this for like a good two, three weeks leading up to Christmas, like by the time you get to Christmas, you're like, I want nothing to do with Christmas. Um, so there was like this love-hate relationship with this Christmas time, but then came Christmas Eve, which is one of the best. One of my best experiences that I had with my family, because my mom was like, cool, we'll wake up at a decent time, which is eight uh, o'clock in the morning, wake up in the morning, and we'll spend the whole day preparing the food for Christmas Eve's dinner. So myself, my brother, my sister, my mom would be in the kitchen chopping it up. It was beautiful, you know, like seven-color meal. Uh, If you don't get what that means, it means that as a black person, your food would literally have seven different colors that'd be the white the orange the like we just had that kind of variety and then uh my mom would make like her famous truffle trifle, truffle truffle dessert trifle whatever that dessert she only made it at that time of year we'd get out the cutlery and the crockery specifically for that time of year like it was in a box that was like suede uh you all know what i'm talking about This thing still comes out <laughs> There wasn't like one, one spoon had its own little thing. It was a, like, you know when you open a, a um, cupboard and then this light shines? That's what would happen. Like when you open that cupboard, like a light would shine because it's that time of year. And then we get all the stuff out, we would set the table, it would be pristine. My mom was placing stock on that dinner would be the family time. There was laughter, there was fun, it was fantastic leading up to the moment. And now, uh, it's dinner time, everything is good. After you finish making dinner, we all go shower, get ourselves ready, dress like semi-decently for the dinner, and they all come sit around, we had a dinner table, it was very nice, and then we all sit down, and my dad would come sit with us, and that was the one time in the year that he actually ate food with us. He'd always like really eat dinner um, in his room, Uh, so this was like the one time we actually get to sit with our father. Now... I say what I'm about to say, not because of any hate or whatever. I love my father. Like, that is a fact that is never, ever going to change. But because he was so distant, we hardly ever knew what to say to the guy. Like, how much conversation do you have, you know? Um, so that that dinner situation was probably the most awkward time in our entire family experience. Because <laughs> no one is saying anything to anyone, and it was like, I you know, all right. And Mama, like, oh my gosh, yeah, you chopped the onion so great. I'm like... Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and that's where the conversation would end. Um, but she was placing so much stock on that time together being the most beautiful time as a family. But I think that she might have missed it just a little bit, which is why I'm saying we almost won at Christmas. Because if she would maybe shifted her perspective just a little bit to look at the entirety of the day, because we spent it together. I would wager that that time in the kitchen making the food had far more family than sitting around eating the food. Because there was fun, there was laughter, there was teeth, there was preparation, there was, hey, look, mama, cut these things like this. And she would like applaud you and celebrate your way of doing that specific thing because I would do the onions. My brother would be a fun, like, my brother makes the best fat cooks on the planet. Like, I stand in that fact. The only place that makes better fat cooks is spa (laughs) and every day over here. (laughs) Um, So he's like, he's pretty good at baking some stuff, so he would bake, but it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. And the moment that this is where we place the stock to experience family, that really wasn't the case. And that's no one's fault. But it's just how the cookie would crumble. I wonder if for most of us sitting here this morning, if we are spending the entirety of our time placing all the stock on Christmas morning. Christmas morning when we all just get to unwrap all these presents, there's a high sense of euphoria. So it maybe might mask the fact that I'm actually really exhausted. I'm actually not feeling the best in this moment. I'm actually not that interested in this specific day. We place so much stock in this moment saying, that Jesus, this is where you should be. Because this is the day that you were born. This is where you should show up, where we should feel you, where we should experience the power of your presence. But that isn't where he is. I wonder if there are some moments where he is in a place where we don't actually expect him to be or don't think that he would be. I wonder if we, in the simple act of wrapping your present... I've purchased this thing for my son, my daughter, my husband, my wife, and in your wrapping of this gift, he speaks to you. He whispers something beautiful to you. I wonder if in your driving to purchase this gift, he says something incredible that speaks to you right where you are. I wonder if in the picking, trying to decide which should I choose. You, hope you've had, you have one pair of, what's this, converse on this side, and you have a different color on this side. Which one would my kid, my husband, my wife actually really want, and God just speaks to you in that moment. I wonder if we're looking for Jesus in the place where he's not actually at. I wonder if most of our lives... Is spent around this idea of this is where he's supposed to be, so I'm going to place the entirety of my stock in experiencing him in this moment. What if you come to church that Sunday or Monday? This is where Jesus should be, and that's not where you experience him. No matter all saying that you won't experience God, that he isn't in this moment or will be on that Christmas morning moment or when you get to unwrap your gifts. But I wonder if that's not all that he might be doing at this season. That there might be just so much more that he might want to say to you. But it just takes us to stopping and pausing and looking up at the stars. Let's unpack this portion of scripture that I read for us this morning. It's three Magi. Now, the mag- Magi is the more accurate term used for these men. And it's the plural of the Greek word magos. Now, for Magi, we, that's where we get the word so the negative connotation of that word is magician, um, but the, the broader translation of that word is a non-Israelite priest, a sage, or an astronomer, astrologer. Now that, when you understand that, it becomes a little more interesting now. So these three three men appeared to, or in Jerusalem, were in Jerusalem looking for this king. Now, we pick up the story when they're actually in Jerusalem, asking, where can we find this king? But prior to this moment, we can deduce from Scripture that this this star appeared to them, leading them to where Jesus would be. It didn't didn't give them an exact location. It gave them a roundabout location. So because they were uh, priests and astrologers, they could read the stars. So when God appears to these young men or men through the stars, they read the stars and they begin their journey towards where this king is going to be born. But as they get closer to the destination, we can assume that this star disappears because otherwise they wouldn't have never gotten lost. So they begin to look for Jesus where they think he would be. A king would be naturally born in Jerusalem, surely, not in a lowly town like Bethlehem. So, when they look in Jerusalem, they actually discover this is not the place where this king is. And when they discover that, they step out and the star appears yet again and then leads them to the precise location where Jesus was born. Do you know the hinging fact in the entirety of this story? They had to be present in that moment. So the moment that God appeared to them the first time, if they weren't present, they might have missed the signs in the stars. If they made their way to Jerusalem, great. And when they leave the audience with Herod, which we can assume that they were quite influential uh, men because they garnered an audience with the king. When they'd leave his audience and they step out now, cool. Now we actually got to continue our search. If they weren't present, they would have missed the second star. All this to say this you and I need to be present in the present to both feel and see the presence of God. If you and I aren't present in the moments that seem insignificant, we might not see or feel the presence of God and where He might be leading us. So I ask you this morning, friends, what insignificant moments? in your life, in this season, in this time of year, do you just glance over because this is not where Jesus should be? This is not where Jesus would be. I'm placing all the stock in these big moments, Sunday, together at church, together as a family, praying before I eat. What insignificant moments could we be overlooking because we expect Jesus to be somewhere else? Where he isn't. What simple gospel moments might you and I be missing? Because we're searching for the king in a place where he isn't. I don't know where you might find yourself this morning and what... Things you might be thinking about, or what things you have to actually navigate in this time of year, because it looks different for all of us. But if we are to just leave tomorrow in tomorrow, because the Bible says there's enough trouble of, it, of its own, if we had to just focus solely and completely on today, and let's make that even smaller, forget today. If we had to just focus solely on this morning, or well, let's make it even finer, forget this morning. If you had to just focus solely and completely on this moment, what might you see? What might you feel? How differently would your outlook change? How differently would our demeanor change? Because now we're not worried about the next moment because we're too busy living in this one. God's got the next moment. I want to be with him in this moment, and when that moment passes. So, once this preach is done, I'm going to engage with some of you after this, and you guys are going to engage with with each other. Will you be present in that moment? Don't worry about the drive home. Don't worry about talking about this message with your spouse on your way home. Don't worry about figuring out what to do with the rest of the day on your way home. Leave those moments where they belong in the future you and I, the requirement for us to see what God is doing is that we be present in the present. We be present in the present. I love what Jacob said in Genesis 28, verse 16, after God appeared to him and showed him the stairway to heaven, he says this, when he wakes up, Jacob, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was headed somewhere else where God was supposed to be and was missing where God also was in that moment, in that place, at that time. Friends, there is so much more of God that you and I have to experience, that we have to see, that we have to encounter, that we get to actually experience, but it requires us to be present in the present If we're not, they will miss his presence. And ultimately, we won't find this king that we're searching for. And the moments that seem easy, because the euphoria of that moment makes it easy to actually expect Jesus to show up at that moment. Because the emotions are quite high, so, I mean, it might feel like, oh my gosh, this must be Jesus, because I feel so great but I wonder if it's not. I wonder if he was in the 10 minutes that you got to spend with your spouse just before you got out of bed. I wonder if he's in that moment where you're brushing your teeth, just contemplating what this year was. There is beauty that awaits us. We just need to open our eyes to see it. And furthermore, open our spiritual eyes to see it. So to us, friends, I say, stop and look up at the stars to see what God might be doing or where he might be leading you. Now, here's the reality as well. is on the one hand, there's the man Christmas is absolutely euphoric. And on the other end, for some of us here this morning, it might not be that case. Christmas might be an absolutely sad and unpleasant time. And to that, I, I say to you, I share your sentiments. Because um, over the years, I've gone to enjoy this period less and less. And I would even go as far as saying, man, I wouldn't expect to see God in, these, in this season. Because So ever since 2009, so my father passed away on the 2nd of December 2009. Ever since that year, so obviously... Going into Christmas season, like, it's just no fun. Like, what's the fun? Because now you don't get to do the Christmas Eve dinner thing that we always do together as a family because it's like the one moment that we had together. Christmas wasn't really fun that year. There was nothing to celebrate. New Year's wasn't fun that year. There was really nothing to celebrate, so we might think. And over the years, we've, I've lost a ton of family members. Like, I mean, one is too many, but I've lost a lot. The Christmas day was filled with like 30 children running around, enjoying Christmas. Now there's like 10. I've lost aunts, uncles. My sister passed away three years ago on Christmas Eve. Like, where's the fun in all of this? I might be tempted, I suppose, to not try and see God even even now with all that we get to carry as a family because of just the loss that we've experienced. But in writing this message, I actually had to challenge myself and ask myself this question. What might God be doing even now? I get to go home on Christmas Day, spending with my mom, my aunt, my brother, my little nephew is just a bundle of joy. There's still some beauty that exists even now. Even though it's hard, even though it sucks and is like constant reminders. Every year fighting back tears because of moments that you can never have. The reality is I can't live in the pain of what I don't have. Thank you. I've got to do the hard work of still trying to find the beauty in the things that I do. It's not like God is gone, because they are. He's still here. He's still doing some stuff. He's still at work. He's still writing our stories. Even though there's less of us now, He's still knitting a family together. And there might not even be the moment on Christmas Day where everything is supposed to be beautiful. but it might simply just be walking in the door and seeing my mom's face on Christmas Day. I have to do the work to choose to believe that God is still working because I believe that He is. That's a truth that is never going to change. I can't let my circumstances or the nature of the season tell me who to be. And I don't say this because it's easy to do. But some of the most difficult things in the world to do require choice. And not just a feeling behind it. But friends, I say to you this morning not with a light heart or not with an easy tone but there is beauty that still awaits you and I if you will just be present in each moment that you and I have with each other with God with family with friends forget the moments where God is supposed to be he already is going to be there but he's also in the moments where we feel like we think he might not be or we expect him not to be in those moments He absolutely is there. And we can, when we finally awake like Jacob did and open our eyes, we get to actually see that God is in this place. And we were just not aware of it. In the struggle, he's still good. In the joy, he's... It's still good. We just need to be aware of it. Which means that we need to choose to be present. In the present. We might see, feel, or experience his presence. Sorry for making you all of you cry. Why don't you stand with me. Let's pray. Father, Abba. First, we just want to say thank you. Thank you that we have this moment. Thank you that you are in it, that you are speaking, that you are moving. I pray God that you would give us the courage to live in just each moment, to trust the next moment to you. And I pray for uh, the strength to be present in each of those moments and. Um, Be sensitive to the whisper of your spirit, that we might just stop and look up at the sky or the stars and see what you might be doing. Stop to smell the roses, to experience your presence, to feel your closeness, to see you at work. I pray that you would just give us the spirit to sail out this season, just to create intentional spiritual pauses, just to be With you. And as we carve out moments to be with family and friends, we know that you're also going to be in those moments, but won't you just litter those moments with an overwhelming sense of joy, peace, love, and grace? May those moments feel easy and light. And as we slowly just wind down and prepare ourselves for next year, We know that you've already gone ahead of us. Give us a peace for our future. In the moments that seem uncertain, may we be so confident in a very certain God. In Jesus' name. Amen.